Chapter six of Exotics and Retrospectives. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Exotics and Retrospectives by Lafcadio Hearn. Of Moon Desire. Part one he was two years old when as ordained in the law of perpetual recurrence he asked me for the moon unwisely i protested the moon i cannot give you because it is too high up i cannot reach it he answered by taking a very long bamboo you probably could reach it and knock it down i said there is no bamboo long enough he suggested by standing on the ridge of the roof of the house you probably could poke it with the bamboo whereat i found myself constrained to make some approximately truthful statements concerning the nature and position of the moon this set me thinking i thought about the strange fascination that brightness exerts upon living creatures in general upon insects and fishes and birds and mammals and tried to account for it by some inherited memory of brightness as related to food to water and to freedom i thought of the countless generations of children who have asked for the moon and of the generations of parents who have laughed at the asking and then i entered into the following meditation have we any right to laugh at the child's wish for the moon no wish could be more natural and as for its incongruity do not we children of a larger growth mostly nourish wishes quite as innocent longings that if realized could only work us woe such as desire for the continuance after death of that very sense life or individuality which once deluded us all into wanting to play with the moon and often subsequently deluded us in far less pleasant ways now foolish as it may seem to merely empirical reasoning the wish of the child for the moon i have an idea that the highest wisdom commands us to wish for very much more than the moon even for more than the sun and the morning star and all the host of heaven part two i remember when a boy lying on my back in the grass gazing into the summer blue above me and wishing that i could melt into it become a part of it for these fancies i believe that a religious tutor was innocently responsible he had tried to explain to me because of certain dreamy questions what he termed the folly and the wickedness of pantheism with the result that i immediately became a pantheist at the tender age of fifteen and my imaginings presently led me not only to want the sky for a playground but also to become the sky now i think that in those days i was really close to a great truth touching it in fact without the faintest suspicion of its existence i mean the truth that the wish to become is reasonable in direct ratio to its largeness or in other words that the more you wish to be the wiser you are while the wish to have is apt to be foolish in proportion to its largeness cosmic law permits us very few of the countless things that we wish to have but will help us to become all that we can possibly wish to be finite and in so much feeble 
is the wish to have but infinite in puissance is the wish to become and every mortal wish to become must eventually find satisfaction by wanting to be the monad makes itself the elephant the eagle or the man by wanting to be the man should become a god perhaps on this tiny globe lighted only by a tenth-rate yellow sun he will not have time to become a god but who dare assert that his wish cannot project itself to mightier systems illuminated by vaster suns and there reshape and invest him with the forms and powers of divinity who dare even say that his wish may not expand him beyond the limits of form and make him one with omnipotence and omnipotence without asking can have much brighter and bigger playthings than the moon probably everything is a mere question of wishing providing that we wish not to have but to be most of the sorrow of life certainly exists because of the wrong kind of wishing and because of the contemptible pettiness of the wishes even to wish for the absolute lordship and possession of the entire earth were a pitifully small and vulgar wish we must learn to nourish very much bigger wishes than that my faith is that we must wish to become the total universe with its thousands of millions of worlds and more than the universe or a myriad universes and more even than space and time part three possibly the power for such wishing must depend upon our comprehension of the ghostliness of substance once men endowed with spirit all forms and motions and utterances of nature stone and metal herb and tree cloud and wind the lights of heaven the murmuring of leaves and waters the echoes of the hills the tumultuous speech of the sea then becoming wiser in their own conceit they likewise became of little faith and they talked about the inanimate and the inert which are non-existent and discoursed of force as distinct from matter and of mind as distinct from both yet we now discover that the primitive fancies were after all closer to probable truth we cannot indeed think of nature today precisely as did our forefathers but we find ourselves obliged to think of her in very much weirder ways and the later revelations of our science have revitalized not a little of the primitive thought and infused it with a new and awful beauty and meantime those old savage sympathies with savage nature that spring from the deepest sources of our being always growing with our growth strengthening with our strength more and more unfolding with the evolution of our higher sensibilities would seem destined to sublime at last into forms of cosmical emotion expanding and responding to infinitude have you never thought about those immemorial feelings have you never when looking at some great burning found yourself exulting without remorse in the triumph and glory of fire never unconsciously coveted the crumbling splitting iron-wrenching granite cracking force of its imponderable touch never delighted in the furious and terrible splendor of its phantasmagories the ravening and bickering of its dragons the monstrosity of its archings the ghostly soaring and flapping of its spires have you never 
with a hill wind pealing in your ears longed to ride that wind like a ghost to scream round the peaks with it to sweep the face of the world with it or watching the lifting the gathering the muttering rush and thunderburst of breakers have you felt no impulse kindred to that giant motion no longing to leap with that wild white tossing and to join in that mighty shout and all such ancient emotional sympathies with nature's familiar forces do they not prelude with their modern ascetic developments the future growth of rarer sympathies with incomparably subtler forces and of longings to be limited only by our power to know no ether shivering from star to star comprehend its sensitivities its penetrances its transmutations and sympathies ethereal will evolve know the forces that spin the suns and already the way has been reached of becoming one with them and furthermore is there no suggestion of such evolvement in the steady widening through all the centuries of the thoughts of their world priests and poets in the later sense of life as unity absorbing or transforming the ancient childish sense of life personal in the tone of the new rapture in world beauty dominating the elder worship of beauty human in the larger modern joy evoked by the blossoming of dawns the blossoming of stars by all quiverings of color all shudderings of light and is not the thing in itself the detail the appearance being ever less and less studied for its mere power to charm and even more and more studied as a single character in that infinite riddle of which all phenomena are but ideographs nay surely the time must come when we shall desire to be all that is all that ever has been known the past and the present and the future in one all feeling striving thinking joying sorrowing and everywhere the part and everywhere the whole and before us with the waxing of the wish perpetually the infinities shall widen and i even i by virtue of that wish shall become all forms all forces all conditions ether wind fire water earth all motion visible or viewless all vibration named of light of color of sonority of torrefaction all thrillings piercing substance all oscillations picturing in blackness like the goblin vision of the x-rays by virtue of that wish i shall become the source of all becoming and of all ceasing the power that shapes the power that dissolves creating with the shadows of my sleep the life that shall vanish with my wakening and even as phosphor lampings in currents of midnight sea so shall shimmer and pulse and pass in my notion of death and birth the burning of billions of suns and whirling of trillions of worlds part four well said the friend to whom i read this reverie there is some buddhism in your fancies though you seem to have purposely avoided several important points of doctrine for instance you must know that nirvana is never to be reached by wishing but by not wishing what you call the wish to become can only help us like a lantern along the darker portions of the way as for wanting the moon 
I think you must have seen many old Japanese pictures of apes clutching at the reflection of the moon in water The subject is a Buddhist parable the water is the phantom flux of sensations and ideas The moon not its distorted image is the sole truth and your Western philosopher was really teaching a Buddhist parable when he proclaimed man but a higher kind of ape for in this world of illusion man is truly still the ape trying to seize on water the shadow of the moon ape indeed i made answer but an ape of gods even that divine ape of the ramayana who may clutch the sun End of chapter six